welcome back to Arena On Air. When you hear of a play titled JQA, you probably think the obvious. It might be about our sixth president, John Quincy Adams. But this week, we learned that it's so much more than that with a special episode centered around our power play JQA. We sat down with playwright and director Aaron Posner, literary manager Nason Mochgani, and then three of the four actors who play JQA, along with other historical figures like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Frederick Douglass, and a whole lot more. We learned that this is not just a narrative of JQA's life. It is a conversation of philosophies and ideas that surrounded the sixth president of the United States, but they're conversations that we are having today in 2019. Enjoy! My name is Nason Mujgani. I'm the literary manager here at Arena Stage, relatively new on staff. I started uh, at the beginning of June 2018, so just last summer. And I'm Aaron Posner, and I'm the playwright and director of JQA. Could you please tell us a little bit more about Arena's Power Play initiative and then what JQA's role is in that initiative? Yeah, so the Power Play initiative is a new play commissioning program that we announced in 2016. And so through this initiative, we're hiring 25-ish artists to create 25 new plays and musicals. Uh, With musicals, sometimes it's a few people working on it. And that is happening over the next 10 years, or rather seven years now since 2016. With the Power Plays, Arena Stage is focused on Washington, D.C.'s unique theatrical voice on politics and power. Amplifying the theater's role, it's a national center dedicated to American voices and artists located in the heart of the nation's capital. And so the Power Plays are dedicated to exploring the stories, people, and events of America with each play dedicated to one decade, beginning with the 1770s, continuing through today. Uh, 17 of the plays are either completed or in process. So we've got eight left to put together. So how does JQA fit into this Power Play? How did it come to be, and where does it fit in within the decades? I've swooped up a whole lot of decades at once. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> fit great. into uh, any one decade in particular because okay. it sort of goes from the 1770s through the 1840s. And yet it also lives pretty firmly in today. I mean, I think part of what's amazing about being able to look back at history isn't really about the history, but about how it speaks to today. And that must, that's what makes this program so exciting is that you have, a, I think, a lot of playwrights like myself very interested in what's happening politically in the world right now and trying to figure out how we address that in interesting ways by looking at our past and where we've all come from and how we got here together. So JQA is a sort of a fantasia about John Quincy Adams and his friends and associates, his family. He was a fascinating figure that is not very well explored who was given his first assignment by George Washington when he was 27, and Abraham Lincoln was part of his funeral procession when his body was taken in state back to Massachusetts, and he knew every president and person of power during that entire really incredibly formative span of the United States. So I'm looking, using John Quincy Adams and his family and friends to both look back at who we've been, the sort of forces going on in America, and how that speaks to what's going on right now. You know, as we record this, I was writing a new scene or a new part of a scene based off of stuff that I was talking about with friends about things that are going on, the the State of the Union and things that are happening within the last 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So it is historical and contemporary. And I think that's uh, one of the great things that that doing new work 
in the theater can can really accomplish. And does it skew more towards one side or the other, or do you feel like it's a pretty balance between? Yeah, I'm trying to dance around all sides of it. So I do believe I have a liberal point of view, but I also have a conservative point of view. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to challenge our ways of viewing um, both the the past and the present. I'm trying to not be easy to pin down on Mm -hmm. places. I'm sure my biases show, but it's a it's a provocation as much as it is a play. I think that's probably true of a lot of the power plays mm-hmm. because they're trying to push on buttons and they're trying to start conversations. They are while they while JQA like many of them I think are hopefully entertaining <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> enjoyable and engaging. Ultimately, they are not entertainments as much as they are explorations, provocations, conversation starters or igniters. We get to talk to one of the smartest audiences in the country or the world here in D.C. who are deeply interested and engaged with these issues. So it's an, it's an incredibly exciting thing to be doing. And how has the writing process been? Because Slow and painstaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I got this commission from Molly. It's over three years ago now. And the play has slowly evolved, trying to figure out how it can do these you know, these multiple things. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare is my model, but, you know, I'm just not as good as he is. <laughs> um, so he could write, you know, half a dozen plays in the time it's taken me to play, and they're all brilliant. But, you know, I've just sort of been slogging away at how do I find a form that will hold these ideas that all of us are talking about all the time right now. Our government is being tested right now. Our government is being pushed in new ways it's never been pushed before. We're having all kinds of conversations that are so radically different than the conversations even three years ago or three months ago or three weeks ago. So how do you engage with all of that and do that in a way that, that uses what makes theater unique? Mm-hmm. So I like, a, I, I like where we've ended up because I feel like this is a play that wants to be a play. It's not a movie or a TV show. The way we have cast it, the way we've structured it, with excellent help from from Nason, from Jocelyn, the dramaturg here, from Annalie in the literary office, from really great support here. We've found ways of uh, of making sure it's theatrical mm-hmm. and trying to engage with these issues in, in, in hopefully meaningful ways. And one of the things I think it's important to keep in mind, especially for listeners who are not necessarily as embedded within the theatrical process, is that over so Aaron says that he's been working on this play for three years, and that's not. Um, I just want to make sure that people don't have this picture of Aaron, you know, holed up in his office, hunched over <laughs> a computer for three years straight. The the new play development process is is very active and is very uh, interactive and very you know there's very much back and forth between Aaron sitting alone and writing and then bringing it into a room and we do we've done several workshops both here at Arena and and elsewhere just to hear it on its feet so that Aaron can really get a sense of how this play functions as as words and bodies and space and not just words on a page, um, which is so important to the development process. What I have here is what every playwright wants, right? Playwrights want productions, of course they do, but what they really want is theaters to engage them and to be mm-hmm. brought into the life of a theater and to be able to do the reading and have the conversation. This play was transformed at every step by the interactions between myself and Arena. And if this play had been written for, at a different theater with different people, it would have been a different play. And that's part of what is the... Uh, there are probably playwrights who go sit alone in a cubicle and come in and say, here's my work of genius. That's the opposite of me. Um, I, am a, I am a play builder, crafter, craftsperson. I'm trying to build really good cabinets. <laughs> and so the, the interaction with the artists who've read it, who 
Uh, I have a fabulous wife who's my home dramaturg, and then I have an official <laughs> arena dramaturg. You know, like so, it's been lots of conversations. And EJD on the columnist for the Washington Post, who I read an article of his that started me on John Quincy Adams in the first place, and I've engaged with him in conversations that have been really helpful. I was also not a student of American history. I am not. I am, and I'm still anything officially stating I am not an expert on American history. I'm a, I'm a fresh student of American history. But just having the opportunity for myself to sort of look at our history and sort of look at it more deeply and engage with how that got us here, that's mm-hmm. just been an amazing process. And that really, I think, is for me as one of the people responsible for, for stewarding uh, the Power Play Initiative is one of the most exciting things about it. Arena's mission is so much about the past, present, and future of America, and the power plays are a way to look at that, right? That we look at these events and people and ideas from the past as a way to say something about our present and give these gifts of wonderful new plays onto the future of our industry. Um, it's really, really fantastic. Yeah, and hope, while it's hopefully for, you know, obviously it's for the audiences, but one of the great gifts of the power play has been, you know, I have, if they if they, if they they had 50, I want two more, because I've got, you know, because I got my McCarthy play, I got my yeah. Jefferson and play that are forming in my because I all as I've been engaging with all this stuff, it's like got me into new whole new areas of inquiry, new things I want to work on. So it's had a it's been a gift to me beyond even just the writing of the play, which is you know being commissioned and being paid to write a play in this in this world is just a is an unbelievable gift alone. But this is a gift that already is continuing to give. Yeah, being able to explore all of these. Like you said, you're not necessarily a student of American history. And I am I now. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like we are all asking those questions right now. While hopefully a play like this is a provocation, there's also comfort in it because mm-hmm. it, you know, all of this, we've never been so divided as we are now. Mm. It's so not true. We were divided. You know, George Washington wanted this to be, a, you know, there were, there were no political parties. There was no view towards political parties. There was like, okay, we'll set up checks and balances. We'll just have one government go off to do one thing, kind of like a monarchy. Well, you know, not without the king, but we can have that. And it lasted almost through his presidency (laughs) before it began immediately going into factionalism and political parties and starting us on the course. And the country by the third president was wildly divided into political parties, fighting as they are now, arguing, entrenched. You know, I mean, it's and and so there is something horrifying Mm -hmm. and comforting in being able to look back and go, oh, this is part of a big pattern. And the feeling of, oh, it's never been worse. It's always never been worse. <laughs> it's getting, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always getting better and going back, and things are swinging back and forth. And I, I think there is, there's, there's strength in that. Mm-hmm. There's comfort in that. And there are also calls to action in that. Yes, this has been a problem throughout our history, and the reason it has not completely destroyed our country is because we do step up. Yeah. Right? That, mm-hmm. that that's also part of the pattern. That's yeah. also part of the system yeah. is that we recognize, oh, this is a problem. And we still pull back from that brink and we take the action needed throughout our history time and time again. We do what we need to to make sure it doesn't completely fall apart. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while you can debate what, you know, the, the, one of the first power plays, the originalist, right? You can mm-hmm. debate what originalism means and everyone has different views of what the founding fathers mean. And for all of the flaws in this country, which are so many, mm-hmm. you when you do spend time looking back at, at the structures that were set up, 
there is a sense of, of miraculousness, mm-hmm. of brilliance, mm-hmm. of going, this was a flawed process that led to a flawed result, but, but, but there is something remarkable in there that has served us really well and is serving us today. You know, and that, that's, been, that's been exciting to get to know. Hopefully some of this is in the play, too. You know? <laughs> it, it absolutely is, actually. I mean, that, when you say that, I immediately think back to um, the one line. I think it's uh, I think it's Lincoln's line in the play about how you know America it, it didn't have to work yeah. right, and that it's the one of the reasons it works is that we simultaneously recognize the potential for the worst of humanity and also expect the best. We expect both the worst and the best throughout, and that is how our system is built. The Founding Fathers were essentially optimistic. Mm-hmm. It was a limited vision to mm-hmm. wealthy, well-landowning white men, <laughs> but mm-hmm. there was still, in their view of human potential, there was an optimism and a realism exactly. that was very uh, powerful and Prepare very for the worst, smart. hope for the best. That's right, yeah. and, and, that's, and it has served us incredibly well. So we've talked a lot about the writing process mm-hmm. and how that's ever-changing and growing and has been worked on for years. Um, so what is it like being in the rehearsal room in your role as a director as <laughs> well? And what challenges does it bring, you know, being also the playwright and what, what makes it exciting? Well, now I have to take all this garbage that no. this playwright wrote <laughs> and turn it into some, um, you know, we, uh, we, we, get, we fight fairly often, okay. um, the playwright and the director. Um, uh, we do. It's obviously it's joking, but we're not. We don't fight, but we do have to do some negotiating and trying to figure out um, uh, when a problem rises in rehearsal. So what I'm looking at right now, there's a scene that I think is a very good scene, but I'm not quite sure how it fits in the plan. I'm not quite sure how to stage it, and so so the director and I. <laughs> are having conversations about, well, who has to solve this? Do I need to try and solve this with my director hat on, or am I solving it as the playwright? It's a good thing I have smart people around me. Um, A great cast. You write all this stuff theoretically, and then you get in a room with a group of people. And particularly, you know, this is a play that is most of the characters are, you know, there are two female characters in the play, one African-American character. The other 16 characters are white men. But the cast is both people of color and white folks. It is both it is equally split between women and men. So you have a lot of people playing across what is typical gender lines or racial lines, and which is which is asking a sort of creative process from the from the audience in viewing it, and a creative process from the artists in how they embody these characters that are at times that they're at times they're deeply sympathetic towards, and at times they are they are. Uh, their own pr- perspectives could not be more different. To have Joshua David Robinson, wonderful young African-American actor, playing Andrew Jackson, talking about slavery as a positive good, good for everyone, good for America, as American as apple pie. You know, to have those words coming out of his mouth is, uh, is complicated. And so a lot of the rehearsal process is like, okay, how do we engage with this with as much integrity and collaboration as possible so that all the voices in the room are being heard, so that the perspectives that all of the artists bring are becoming part of the fabric of the production. This was was a conversation rehearsal literally yesterday where, you know, where one of the, Jacqueline Correa, who's playing a John, they all play John Quincy Adams, but playing a number of other Louise Adams also and Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. was sort of saying, "How much of me am I allowed to bring?" And I was, mm-hmm. and my to which my answer was like, "All of you that you'll be willing to bring," because the play is trying to say this is not a white male problem. 
or a white male situation. This is an American situation, and we're trying to be as inclusive and um, and you know American in its bigger sense as possible. A, a lot of the rehearsal process is figuring out how we negotiate those lines between the artists involved, the designers, myself. It's it's what's it's what makes making theater the great gift that it is because you're not sitting in a room or an office by yourself. You're in a room with a bunch of other great artists following their lead and trying to figure out how you make something together that no other group of people would make. You know, that this is, it's going to be a product that if, if Nason or Jocelyn or Molly or Victor or the, you know, for everyone who's been part of the process, the designers, the actors, if any of those people had changed, we would end up, end up a different place. And that's not the way all playwrights work. I mean, there are playwrights and directors who come in and say, I wrote this, here's my vision, but I'm, I, I'm not the kind of genius she is. So I'm in the room going like, okay, guys, how do we do this together? How can we make this together? And that's just sort of fits who I am as a, as a, as a, as a play builder. Which is one of the things that makes working on new plays so exciting. Right? Yeah. Right? Like I've really, really enjoyed this process. Everybody that I have spoken to who's a part of this process has really enjoyed it for exactly that reason, that you are as a director and as a playwright so very open uh, and collaborative, right? That you, you make space for everybody in the room and you really not only invite, but I think that you, um, as you keep saying, that you, you really want that. You need that. That's the point it's of the it. the absolute definition of enlightened self-interest. Like, I, if I... If we make I, you look better. Well, you make it better. Yeah. Like, you make it better. If I knew, like, you know, there are, at times there are people who are in charge, you feel like, oh, they're playing a game of like, oh, what do you think? I'm not really listening to what you think, but then I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I do not have the answers. I mean, one of the fascinating things about being a playwright and the director here is to sit down with people and say, and I don't think people believed it when I first said it to them at the beginning of rehearsals, which is like, just because I wrote it does not mean I understand what it means or what's fully going on in the text. And, you know, this is, uh, it has become an absolute belief of mine. And I sort of knew that from being a director with other people's work, where I would go look at the playwright at the time and going like, you don't even see the complexity of the psychology underneath what you're doing there because they didn't, you know, you don't craft every single thing that you write. Stuff shows up from places in you and that carries your complexity onto the page whether you mean to put it there or not. And so as I've watched certain uh, certain moments and scenes, I'm like, oh, oh, I think that's in that scene. But I, and I must have put it there or the actors are simply bringing to it other things of their own to it. But that, you know, it's, it's, an, ama- it's an amazing process to watch. But I never claim the status of being the, just because I'm the director and the playwright does not mean I know best. I think that for me, one of the things I love most about the Power Play Initiative is that it gives us an opportunity to give plays to our audiences that while very much uh, on mission for Arena and obviously up to the artistic standards that we hold, they they expand our, our stylistic territory, they take approaches that aren't what we do the rest of the season. And it's a great way to give the audience something new, something fresh, something recognizable, but also a little bit different. And mm-hmm. that's what keeps everything we do exciting and fresh, both for us as artists uh, and, and for our audiences. When you give a playwright a commission, there's a certain freedom that comes with that to explore weird little avenues um, and I'm constantly delighted by the the range of approaches that our commissioned artists have taken to satisfying right like we give them here's you know the, the few constraints here's what we're expecting and they manage every time to give us something that does those things but is also so unexpected in such marvelous and and varied ways 
it's pretty awesome to have it here in Washington, D.C., too. I mean, it just feels like a, such a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And in a world in which it's very sad that you can go to a mall in Eugene, Oregon, where I'm from, or El Paso, Texas, and it's the same gap in footlocker and haircuttery. And, like, you know, the, the homogenization of America is pretty... Uh, hard. And it's, of course, is even true that, like, Arena does do a number of plays that are getting done at a lot of regional theaters because mm-hmm. they're really great plays and they're part of the national conversation, and that's great. But to be doing something that is homegrown, this is a company town, and it's politics, and it's, you know, and it's Americana and American history and American power. So to be doing that here, it, I think it's great for Arena, it's great for DC, and it's just an honor to be a part of. Thank you. Thank you all for having us. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Hi, my name is Jacqueline Correa, and I am playing JQA as a little boy. JQA is a young man. And I also play Louisa Adams, who is JQA's wife. And I play a young Abraham Lincoln. My name's Phyllis Kay. The first character I play is George Washington, and then I play JQA's mother, Abigail Adams, and then I play his wife, Louisa Adams, (laughs) and then for the last two scenes of the play, that's when I play John Quincy Adams at the ripe old age. I think we checked this with the dates in the play. I think I'm 78. I'm Joshua David Robinson, and I also play John Quincy Adams, as well as Frederick Douglass and Andrew Jackson. What is the premise of this play, and have you been in a show like this before? The unique thing about the play is I've never been in a play before where I've shared a character. So that's been really kind of an interesting opportunity. I, I have to say, I, I like it quite a bit because it's, it, you know, we have four actors and we're all very collaborative and we all bring stuff in. And Joshua mentioned the other day, there's, you know, actors steal from each other all the time. <laughs> so this is just open season. This is just where we're meant to steal from each other and it's actually encouraged. Okay. So, you know, I'll watch Jacqueline do a scene and, and, and something that she might bring to it or something that Joshua brings to the character or something that Eric brings to it. We're trying to figure out the best way to help the audience realize which of us at that moment is in fact tasked with playing John Quincy Adams. We have a costume element that will help the audience know which of us is playing that, and of course the context of the scene will as well. But hopefully behaviorally and vocally to a certain degree, I suppose. Hmm. By the time we open, we'll have come up with unifying elements to help tell the story. So I guess the play is, you know, it follows it follows John Quincy Adams' life from, I guess, the age of what, nine and, nine a, quarter and a quarter, nine and a quarter, until basically until his last days in in public office, and it's arranged in a series of nine scenes, and I guess all sort of pivotal moments of his life. Uh, not necessarily like pivotal in terms of uh, where he would win an election or some seismic shift would happen in the country, but the way that it's dramatized in our play, they all contribute to Adams's growth in some way, shape, or form, um, whether that's learning about himself, learning about himself in relationship to other people, 
learning about uh, what it means to govern, and then by the end, passing on what he's learned to, to the next generation. It's been interesting to, to be in a show, be in a play where the writer is with you, which is really nice to check in every day and say, like, what did you mean here? Or what are you asking us to do with this? It's less detective work in a certain way. Cause it's less to... detective work. It's really nice to find the themes of the play, which I know for me weren't, like, jumping out at me when I first mm -hmm. read it. Or rather, there's new things that have come out. And one of those things is that anyone can kind of take on these ideas, this position, mm -hmm. be a politician. And so the audience ideally starts to see themselves in JQA mm -hmm. and his family and the people that have been influential in it. So it's not just this historical figure anymore that we can't relate to. It feels very human, mm -hmm. um, these characters. And I think part of that is because we each take turns doing it. So the audience is getting a physical <laughs> Mm -hmm. a different physical representation of this person. And hopefully they will accept and understand the notion that you just highlighted that it's about the soul of this person. Jacqueline and I aren't women impersonating a, a man named John Quincy Adams. Hopefully what we're evoking is who this person was. And so it doesn't matter if it's a woman playing the part or a man playing the part. It's a person playing the part and talking about you know, the themes that Aaron wrote about in this play, which is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are four of you playing John Quincy Adams. What is the purpose, what is the impact of having four people play the same character throughout a play? Have you guys talked about that at all in the rehearsal process? Is there, is there a real concrete reason why that is extremely important? Because it's a deeply political play. Um, and that a lot of the topics that are addressed were relevant in John Quincy Adams' time and continue to resonate today. I think it's important for everyone who sees a play like this to be able to feel a sense of ownership mm -hmm. of, of what it's talking about. And I would definitely say that that's one of the things that the casting does for me when I look at it, that having and ethnically diverse, and both men and women playing a historical figure who was a man, gives the ideas and the points of view and all the, the powerful, important things about Adams's life, it gives it to everyone in a way that I think is, mm -hmm. is very important for, for the time we live in now. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, when I express an opinion, you know, I, Phyllis, don't think, that's a female opinion. Hmm. Or that's, I don't think that. I right. just think, that's my opinion. That's what I think. And I think that's what's so wonderful about us. It doesn't matter. We're all, and that's the, the, the joy of being able to play strong, historical, political figures, mm -hmm. realizing at this moment that maybe now we're only beginning to understand that it's really all about the people who built this nation, the people who, you know, came up with this American experiment, men and women, although you don't hear too very much about the women, but I'm sure there was a contribution, a human contribution that, that women made. So I feel like it's kind of wonderful to tell this story in that specific particular way where we are 
getting ownership of the story mm-hmm. by being able to participate in the, in the storytelling in this profound, original way. I agree. And that reminds me of something we talked about the other day that you brought up about how, and I found this to be true in my experience, when you would tell people what play you were doing, <laughs> that they immediately say, oh, well, you're not playing John Q or JQA. You're not playing John Quincy Adams, are you? And you're like, actually, yes, I am. Because then you see them, like you were saying, realize that they just made a huge assumption mm-hmm. about the world, who's powerful. you, who's powerful, the theater in general, mm-hmm. and then realize themselves, like, oh, that doesn't have to be true. You know, of course you can play all of these parts. Because they're just people and ideas that we're presenting. Um, so, in addition to playing JQA, you all play um, the other figures that you mentioned, um, his family members. What has this been like bringing um, these historical people to life as well? It's an interesting perspective when you're playing the character and then you're playing the people who had an effect on the character. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at you, when you start working on a play, you say, okay, who's this guy? What do people say about him? What do I say about myself? You know, you do all that homework and then. You're playing the person that has an effect on the other character that you're playing. So it gets very complex in a way. But I think it's enormously useful for the scene in which uh, Joshua and I play. I play his mother and he plays JQA. You know, that's been enormously useful in terms of the way I play John Quincy Adams later. Because I'm part of that scene where the mother's influence affects who John Quincy Adams becomes. And then later in the play, I'm the result of that scene, in a way. You know, I'm, I've experienced that scene, and so that affects the way I play the character later in the story. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that before. Yeah. I think it's been really fun to kind of see the characters that, like Phyllis said, influenced this, this man throughout his life. I also think it's interesting because you see the other characters' relationships to government. We get a very strong point of view from JQA throughout the whole show, but then you start to see the world around him. Like, you know, that idea the king makes the court. It's that the court is now reacting to these ideas and responding to him. And I just, I I don't know. I'm with Phyllis that I've never had an experience like that where everything is so intertwined Mm -hmm. with one another you know were you watching your castmate going like oh okay i'm gonna steal that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think you know playing playing historical characters is fun because i find it really interesting because it gives me an excuse to like do a whole bunch of research um and i find history in general like just kind of fascinating um so and this is like an era in history that i didn't know very much about to be honest Mm -hmm. So, like, being able to read some biographies and stuff about JQA, you learn a lot about, like, just, like, what was popping off at, at that time in history. And it's, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said, it's all just kind of provides, like, a fertile soil to, to start to work. Because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm not, I am not John Quincy Adams. <laughs> I, I, I am not Frederick Douglass or Andrew Jackson. It's just, it's really fertile ground to play with what Aaron has written yes. in the story that he's trying to, to tell. Um, but it allows, for me, it just allows me to stand a bit more firmly in 
the world that he's creating for us. And what's it like working with Aaron? And we, I know you mentioned earlier having the playwright in the room. And what is that like for you having, you know, the playwright be your director? Like, is it a very open conversation? Do you mention things in the script that you're yeah. wondering if it makes sense? Or it's, it's Actually, it's been, uh, to Aaron's, like, great credit, he has been very open uh, with us. I, I can't imagine actually doing what he's doing right <laughs> yeah. now. Both directing and like and 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 writing this play, especially the writing part, he's definitely looking and and as as we all are in the room, one it's just to be the best version of this play that it can be, mm. and I definitely feel like that's been that's been conveyed, and he's been very open mm-hmm. to our suggestions, feelings, and thoughts. Yeah, he's incredibly generous, and I find it kind of astounding that a scene won't work or he doesn't like the story that he's telling, and you'll have a new scene. I mean, a new scene the next day, hmm. if not later that day. I think he alluded to the fact that mm-hmm. now he feels that he knows these characters because he's lived with this yes. idea for, mm-hmm. for, for a long time. So he can say, oh, I know what that needs to be. And he'll go mm-hmm. home and write a new version of what he wanted to talk about in that particular scene that wasn't effectively mm-hmm. enough based on our conversations and based on rehearsal and based on his own... It's totally no, it's great. It's really great. It's also really interesting because you guys are talking about this as as it's a narrative and a story. And then when we were talking to Aaron and Nason, it it was like it's a conversation where, where there's points I'm making. It's you know, it's not a history mm-hmm. drama. It's this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to hear the different takes on it. That even though it is sort of this imagined idea of conversations mm-hmm. that happen between these really key figures, based on the philosophical leanings or political or societal leanings of the people, um, that there's still a story and there's still historical foundations, while also Allowing it to be in a more contemporary space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think the personal part of it's amped up a bit since the first draft. And I think, mm-hmm. like, because it's good. I think it is in service of this, the overall story. And, like, you can't help but have it become a little more personal as soon as you get the bodies in there and mm-hmm. they start, you know, saying all those words. <laughs> start having an effect and a meaning and... It becomes a different show all of a sudden. And we talked about that the other day in rehearsal, that the personal is coming out a lot more for these characters. And that's what I think audiences connect to. So if you can get them in their heart and their mind, hopefully it'll be good. (laughs) I mentioned that Aaron talks about this as being a provocation of conversation. So curious to see what you're hoping people will continue to talk about after they've left the theater. What do you hope will be the continued conversation from this production? I mean, I think that the the scenes that Aaron's written are in conversation with both the past and the present. And I think a lot of Aaron's own leanings show out show a lot in in the, the way that a lot of these arguments are constructed and the points that he tries to make. But uh, because of uh, these scenes taking place, you know, 150, 200 years ago, I think people will be more open to hearing the conversations mm-hmm. um, and both sides of each of the conversations. I think, 
you know, we are sadly more and more conditioned to like hear keywords, buzzwords in a contemporary setting and have our knee-jerk reactions and kind of stop listening. Mm. And I think the kind of disassociation of having it in this play be about a lesser-known historical figure and set in a time that people aren't particularly familiar with, but still so intensely researched and accurate to the, the goings-on of, of the time and hopefully the thoughts and desires of JQA, that people will be able to hear the conversation and walk away from it ready to listen more. Yeah, I hope it inspires people to be more involved in government. I mean, that's one of the things that the play is about. The government is not a bunch of men telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Although it's been suspiciously like that. Suspiciously like that. For quite some time. I mean, we really, you know, it, it makes you look at that. And it makes you look at the fact that, you know, ideally, it's it, it's a conversation. It's a conversation that we all need to care enough about to have with each other. Mm-hmm. You know? That would be ideal. That would be great if something like that is achieved. As, yeah. And I don't see why it can't be. I'm excited to see what the audience thinks when they come yeah. in. And, you know, DC audiences are really smart, and mm-hmm. I feel like they'll enjoy being able to talk about these topics at what we would say is maybe a safer distance because it's mm-hmm. presented in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, you can ease your way into some of these conversations as opposed to being confronted by them. Hopefully people will see that a lot of the things that we, that, that we talk about is, you know, there were moments in American history where it was pretty dicey, mm-hmm. you know, and we got through it. Yes. Yeah. And, and we made it. hearted as hmm. some of us may be about, the, about politics in general, I'll make that very, very general, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. there's reason enough to take heart and keep yeah. going. I feel like the pre, sh- uh, I mean, the post-show conversations for this will oh, be really yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, thank you all for being fun. here. Thank you. For thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to come see JQA starting March first at Arena Stage. <laughs>